And this is Encounter with God here on Faith FM. We are going to dig into our Bible study for today. Before we get into our Bible study, Mon, what have you got for us there for the clue? next clue for our quiz? Clue number three of this Who Am I quiz. I prayed that it would not rain and it did not rain for three and a half years. Not the kind of guy we want praying for Australia right now. <laughs> well, actually, he is the kind of guy that we want praying for Australia right Just now. Just not that particular prayer. <laughs> not that particular prayer. We wanted to be praying another prayer that he prayed. But that would be to give another clue away. That's true. That's not So we just that. gave that other clue away. But that's all right. That's yeah. for free. This is a good guy. It's a good guy. Yeah, yeah. He can yeah. pray for um, either kinds of uh, weather. Yeah, it's true. He can too. <laughs> well, he did, I should say. We all can. Yeah, that's And right. he did and uh, was a, a man of, uh, yeah, anyway. I'm just going to shut up before I give any <laughs> more clues away. But if you know the answer to the question, 1-800-324-843 is the number to call. Give us a call right now. We are giving away the most expensive book, uh, cookbook that we have ever given away here on Faith F. M. Donna Green Goodman's Cooking Up Good Health Recipe Collection. There it is. You can win it right here on Faith FM, so give us a call right now. Anyway, before we go any further, I just do want to mention, because some people do talk to me, and I do like to mention this on occasions, and they say, my signal is not so great where I am, and when I'm driving, sometimes I drive out of the signal. There is a solution. There is. If you have not heard about it, you simply download... A radio app such as the TuneIn radio app to your phone. Get the free version of it. Find Faith FM Australia. Mark it as your favorite and run that through your car stereo and you will have Faith FM right across Australia. Perfect Simple signal. as that. Yeah. Or go to faithfm.com.au on your browser. Press play and once again you have Faith FM from one side of Australia to the other. We'd like to encourage everybody to listen to Faith FM Via the digital way, the digital way is uh, by far the most effective and that way you get to hear the whole conversation rather than having part of the conversation disappear halfway through. And you also get to hear the live show. Some of our listeners uh, listen to the, broad- the delayed broadcasts. So, yes. Yeah, and they miss out. Yes, if you're listening to the show today and it is not Thursday the 2nd of May, that's because you're listening to the delayed broadcast and you will have so much more fun if you listen to the live show. Indeed. Um, and the live show, of course, you get uh, via the... Digital format um, on your phone is the best way to do that. Okay, uh, our encounter with God today, Mon, let's turn in our Bibles, let's dig straight into it. We are talking about, um, okay, so we were talking about the unmarried life yesterday, singleness. Today we're going to talk about probably the most devastating event that any person can ever go through. Marriage? <laughs> Sorry. There's a reason why you're still single. Mom. No, I didn't yeah, say that. Yeah, let's have a laugh. Uh, <laughs> no, I was, okay. Uh, do you know why I was thinking? Because yesterday, yesterday you started off by saying we're going to talk about loneliness, and today you said that yesterday we talked about singleness. And I do think a lot of people attribute singleness and loneliness as being the same thing. Whereas I found that there are more lonely people within marriages because when you're lonely in a marriage, it's so much harder to fix. Yeah, I wouldn't say more. Oh, absolutely. If your partner isn't interested in uh, cultivating that relationship with you and you end up being lonely, you can't really go out yeah, you're and saying, get okay, a new okay, spouse. Okay, right, right, right. Let's like say you're that, stuck. Let's say, that there is, uh, let's say that half the world is married and half the world is single um, and within those two people groups there are lonely people, right? 
Right. And you're saying that there is more lonely people in the married side than in the single side. No, I'm saying it's harder for the people on the married side to fix their loneliness. Okay, all That's right. That's what I'm saying. Yes, I now understand what to you're saying. To be lonely within a marriage is devastating. Is, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, That's and possibly the most devastating ev- uh, event, life event that anyone can go through is the breakup mm. of a marriage. That's right, yeah. Um, I can't think of anything more devastating, more destructive uh, that a person can go through than the breakup of a marriage. Maybe, you know, um, the very, well, I guess there's degrees of marriage breakup, isn't there? There's the extremely violent ones. There's the murderous ones. Um, There's some really, really terrible um, events that happen out there. But can there be anything more destructive to human beings than the breakup of of a family? They do say the three most stressful moments of a person's life is uh, moving house, death of someone you love, or divorce. And to be honest, I divorce think is by far the, worst. the most yeah, stressful. Because we never... all know that people are going to die at some point. They get old yeah. and they pass away, um, which sadly, I guess it's not really a natural part of life, but it is kind of a part of the life that we live here on Earth. Uh, but divorce, I think, is by far the, the most heartbreaking one of the three. It is. It is, and it's just, um, and 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 the really tragic, um, I guess, the most tragic thing about divorce is how common it is. Yeah, that's true. Is it is it more marriages now end in divorce than stay together? I I, th- I think it's about no. Actually, no. The divorce rate has been going down, but the marriage rate has been going down. Oh, okay, right. And so, yeah. The- and no one's clocking breakups in general. So the only people who are getting married these days are people who are a little bit more committed to marriage than in the past, and so that's pushed the divorce rate down a little bit, but singleness is at an all-time high. You know, the Bible says that as we near the end of time, you know, the love of many shall grow cold. Uh, we often think about that as there being more hatred in the world, and that's definitely the case, but it's also a lot less love in the world. Yeah. And there is a lot less love in the world today. It's um, it's a really sad situation in many ways. Um and uh, so we're going to look at some verses this morning in relationship to marriage breakup because this is something that... Uh, the Bible speaks about this? The Bible speaks about marriage breakup. Oh, okay. Let's begin in Malachi. Malachi chapter 2 and verse 16. Last book of the Old Testament. Malachi 2 and verse 16. Once I can find it right before... Yeah, you just simply find Matthew... Turn the page back one page and you are there. Malachi chapter 2, you said? 2 verse 16. Reads like this. For I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel. To divorce your wife is to overwhelm her with cruelty, says the Lord of heaven's armies. So guard your heart and do not be unfaithful to your wife. Wow. I yeah, really okay, like so that. that's a very powerful verse right there, um, linking divorce and unfaithfulness together. I, I really like how it says it's it's a you, you overwhelm your wife with cruelty. Do you know it's actually really interesting, Lyle. Just at camp um, last week, you know, I was meeting up with friends at camp, and there's you know uh, there was a couple of us sitting around talking, uh, um, women in like in their thirties and late twenties who were all single, and we were discussing, um, you know, the the concept of being married, and we all agreed. That if we could look into the future, right, and and can tell the future, and if we knew that we were going to marry someone who would cheat on us, we would actually rather live the rest of our lives single. Oh, absolutely, no than question. To go through adultery and divorce, there is nothing more devastating. Singleness is. 
people can live really great lives being yeah. single. Yeah. You know, but you can really, 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 really have your life destroyed by unfaithfulness in marriage. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and by going through that whole, you know, as we as we started out in this whole in this whole conversation, you know, when when the Bible says that God hates divorce, there is a reason that God hates divorce, and it is because it is so incredibly devastating on families. Why do you think it is that God singles out men in this verse? Is God anti-man right here? Are men the problem in the world? No, but men are more visual. Yeah, I'm not seeing that from this verse. Well, I think they're more inclined to cheat because they get uh, led astray by their visual lusts. Yeah, you know, I see something, uh, and and that might be a very valid point to add into the argument, but I also see that there's a lot less risk for men. Okay. Um, Well, men perceive there to be a lot less risk. I don't think there is actually less risk, but I think that men perceive it that way. In that men uh, perceive, you know, because men always, you know, we, we're men, we overrate ourselves. And so um, men can look at the world in which they live and they're married to a particular person and they feel like they have lots of options, whereas a woman of the same stage in life would look at the world and see very few options. And so um, I think this is one of the reasons why God has, yeah, has rather pointedly spoken to men in this passage. And rightfully so. Um, I think that, you know, and many, many men that I have spoken to who have, you know, chosen to go down this path of unfaithfulness and then divorce, you know, it has been the most devastating experience that they have ever, ever gone through. Um, And they would never choose to do it again. And, you know, God is right when God says don't go down this path. Anyway, let's go on and let's now read Matthew chapter 19, verse 8. Matthew 19 and verse 8. Yes, Matthew 19 and verse 8. We're going to talk about what the Bible says, what Moses said on the subject of divorce. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. What do you got for us there, Mon? Matthew 19 verse 8 says, Jesus replied, Moses permitted divorce only as a concession to your hard hearts, but it was not what God had originally intended. Okay, so this was uh, Jesus speaking right here, and uh, he actually addresses this as another place. If you go, in fact, if you go back to Matthew chapter five and verse thirty-two, I actually read the next verse that you've got right there. Uh, and I tell you this: whoever divorces his wife and marries someone else commits adultery, unless his wife has been unfaithful. Yeah, okay, so the Bible does give grounds for divorce right here. Yeah. Um, Unfaithfulness is definitely grounds for divorce. There's no question about that. And the Bible also gives um, grounds for separation. And I think this is something that's really important for us to understand as Christians because as Christians in the past, you know, because God speaks so strongly against divorce, we have also been against separation and damagingly so. Because what we have done is we have endeavoured to or actually forced people to or guilted people to staying together who should not be together. That's right. And, um, you know, of course, in extreme circumstances, that can result in death uh, with one of, the, one of the two partners being murdered. And so we do need to make this very, very clear right here this morning. The Bible speaks very, very clearly about separation. Paul speaks about it. 
um, and uh, you know we can call it the law of separation in the Bible. And if you're in a in a violent relationship, you know, and particularly speak to women right now, if you are in a violent relationship, and it affects men as well, you know, because there are some women out there who are incredibly violent. So I'm not I'm not just speaking to one sex um, over the other, but if you are in a violent relationship, then you need to get out of that relationship. Um, and you need to get out now, get out today. Um, th- this is not a, a circumstance that is normal and is not a circumstance that you should stay in. You should it's just leave. It's not one that the Bible asks you to stay in. That's right. God is not yeah, asking God you is to not, stay. God yeah. is not telling you to stay in a violent relationship. Um, no, not at all. But what God does tell us to do is that when there are issues in the relationship, that uh, are tearing that relationship apart to face up to those issues, to deal with those issues, to work through those issues, and to try and make that relationship work. But one of those steps that you Rather can take towards making it work is to separate. Away. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So I think I think a lot of people get caught up in the idea that oh, if we if we're trying to work it out, we're trying to support each other, then we need to stay together. But sometimes you actually need sometimes space. you need to do that yeah. from apart. Yeah, that's you need right. To apart. Yeah. Some because yeah, some people won't. And, and I would go as far as saying you know if if this is a violent situation, if somebody's hitting somebody, then it's probably a relationship you're never going to go back into. Mm. You know, it's just one of those things where you know when somebody crosses that crosses that line. It's um, it's a very good sign that this is probably not somewhere where you should be. Now I know that God converts people and God changes people. I recognise that, um, but it's just from my life experience that this is something that I've seen that violence within a relationship is not normal. If somebody is hitting somebody, this is not normal. Yeah, no, not at all. And, and this is not something that you should expect. This is you know you deserve better. Absolutely. It's as simple as that. And so you need to move on and you're going to be much better off as a, uh, you know, even as a single person than in that kind of a relationship because um, it can be incredibly destructive to um, to you as a person. All right. Matthew chapter 5. Uh, verse... No, we already read that one. No, uh, we didn't. Yeah, but we read the same thing in okay. uh, verse 9 of chapter 19. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Verse 11 through 13. 11 through 13. I guess the point that I'm making is this. What you find in the Bible is that God fights for marriage. Yes. And where the circumstances are appropriate, we should fight for marriage as well. There is an attitude in the world today when people get married that they are married for a season. It's true. And a lot of people go into marriage like, yeah, we're going to get married because we love each other and if it works out, that's great. If we grow old together, that's fantastic. But if it doesn't, you know, we'll move on and we'll find somebody else. You know, Lyle, I used to work at a um, wedding reception center and uh, we would, you know, host uh, weddings and the the reception ceremony. And uh, one time I was... I was serving... I was working as a waitress and I was serving the bridal table... And uh, a little old lady was chatting to the bride and talking about you know how you know how wonderful the whole day was and how the, you know her husband was going so great and stuff. And she's like, and the bride literally said, "Oh yeah, he'll do for now. You know, he'll he'll be good as a first husband." Literally had no faith or any in, even an inclination that the relationship might work or that she could make it work forever. There was this attitude of disposability about the entire thing. This is on the wedding day. 
It's been seared into my brain that conversation. It's just tragic. It is unbelievably tragic. Yeah. That and and this is unbelievably common attitude that we have in our world today, right? I would now, love to know whether they're still together because that was many moons ago now. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they were able to pull it together and to make it work, but you would wonder how they would be able to do that. And this is one of the interesting things that you find in our world today is that arranged marriages are more successful than love marriages. Really? Yeah, statistically they're more successful. And what it comes down to is the attitude with which people go into those marriages. They go into those marriages because they um, are part of a religion that places a very, very high level of importance on the marriage relationship and on the marriage relationship staying together and they place a lot of importance on making the relationship work rather than the relationship working automatically. There's no expectation in a an arranged marriage that it's going to work automatically. The attitude with which you approach something usually can predict the outcome. That's right. Yeah. And so if you go into marriage with this attitude that your marriage is going to work automatically because love is present then you're going in with the wrong attitude. It, it you know, a marriage is going to work because you put you work put you it. put work into yeah. it. You, you put energy into it. You invest in it, um, and it is the greatest investment that you will ever make here on this earth. Um, you know, the, the greatest earth-based investment, of course. The, you know, the greatest investment is uh, eternal life with Jesus Christ. But it's the greatest investment that you'll ever make here on this earth is your relationship with your spouse, with your partner. And that really comes down to, you know, to the attitude. And, and too often we have this attitude of falling in love. There's no such thing as falling in love. Falling in love is ridiculous. You don't mm. fall anywhere. You decide to be in That's love. That's right. You and choose. this is one of the reasons why, you know, people go into a arranged marriage and they're not falling in love. They're not expecting to fall in love. Uh, they're not expecting it to, easy. They're ex- to be easy. They're expecting to work on it. And they are expecting to create love. They're expecting to choose love. Uh, and so it's a very different attitude. I am not... I was going to say, you need, you need I to am not condoning, <laughs> condoning arranged marriages. Even though they do exist in the Bible, there are many different kinds of marriages that exist in the Bible. I have people come to me sometimes and say, oh, the story of Jacob, we need to... Uh, sorry, Isaac, we need to have arranged marriages. No, we don't need to have arranged marriages. There are many other circumstances in the Bible other than arranged marriages. And I kind of like the way that I was able to meet my wife mm-hmm. and we... We were able to uh, choose to love each other. That sounds super ro- unromantic, I know, but um, and, and you know, and form a love relationship before we were married. And to marry somebody who is your best friend and somebody who you love and think is amazing is really, really special. I am super in favour of that. Yeah, and you know, even though the stats might say that people aren't divorcing in. Uh, arranged marriages doesn't particularly denote any kind of happiness or love. No, I'm not talking about happiness. I'm not talking about the happiness quotient. I'm talking about the success of people staying together. I was studying with a arranged couple many years ago and um, (laughs) I didn't realize that there was arranged couples. I was like, so how did you guys meet? And they were like, we met each other and had 15 minutes to decide. (laughs) Um, and, uh, And he turned to me and he said, Monica, marriage is very, 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 very hard. And I'm like, that's a lot of berries. <laughs> As one, there's like a few too many berries. Uh, yeah, a good so. friend of mine down in Sydney one time, um, you know, came from a culture where of arranged marriages and he was single and, uh, yep, had to fly back to his homeland because they'd found a bride for him. And, 
course, you know, the wedding photos go off all over Facebook and there's, there's just these two people and they're just sitting there, you know, at their wedding reception terrified. Yeah, they always look scared. <laughs> they're always like, like, what is happening to us right now? And then, you know, a month later, the, 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 uh, the honeymoon photos come out and they've gone on holiday together. They're starting to get to know each other yeah. and starting to have fun together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's smiles on their faces and like, oh, my goodness. But anyway... Um, <clears throat> Really, what it comes down to is, you know, what you choose to do with that relationship and uh, the effort and energy that you put into it. And the most important thing is to choose to be a marriageable person yourself. Hey, give us a call if you have an opinion. Are you an arranged marriage person or did you have to choose your wife? 1-800-FAITH-FM is our number. He cries in the corner where nobody sees He's the kid with the story no one would believe He prays every night Dear God, won't you please Could you send someone here who will love me? Who will
That was JJ Heller with What Love Really Means here on Faith FM. Okay, we are going to move on in our Bible study and we're going to talk about something else that is probably the second most devastating experience that a person can go through in a marriage relationship. The most devastating being uh, divorce or breakup of the family. Uh, the second being death. And uh, death is an enemy. The Bible describes it as an enemy. And whenever you experience death in your family, it really, really rears its ugly head. And you have this very clear illustration of this is something that human beings were never designed to deal with. We were never supposed to experience this kind of experience. We're going to look at a few verses here. First of all, let's begin in Genesis chapter 37. Mon, right at the beginning of the Bible, first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 37. And verse 34, and here we're going to read about the experience of a death that was not a death. A death that was not a death. A death that was not a death. You are making all kinds of sense this morning, Lyle. It will make sense as soon as you read this passage. Okay, Genesis Genesis 37 and verse 34. Genesis 37 verse 34 reads, I can find it. Then Jacob tore his clothes and dressed himself in burlap. He mourned deeply for his son for a long time. Keep going. His family all tried to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. I will go to my grave mourning for my son, he would say, and then he would weep. Okay, so this is, this is an experience of tremendous grief and tremendous mourning that Jacob is going through here at this particular time. Uh, he is mourning for the death of his son, Joseph. Is Joseph dead? No, no, he's not. Joseph is not dead. He's been tricked. He's been tricked. And one of the reasons that I think that the other brothers changed so dramatically was you know, particularly in their attitude, was that they never, ever realized when they told this lie how devastating it would be for their father. Yeah, absolutely. I think if they'd have known that he would be so devastated by it, they would never have dreamt. And this was this was something that they then had to live, live with, with. Yeah, and perpetuate. And they had to live with the fact that they had told that lie. And devastated their father. Now, I mean, you ever tried to hold a lie in, Mon? Oh, it's the worst. There is nothing worse than trying to hold a lie in. And sooner or later, you just feel impelled, you know, compelled to tell somebody about it. And, of course, this is how many criminals are caught, uh, is because we just have this within ourselves as human beings that we just have to say something to clear our conscience or to ease our conscience. Living with 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 a guilty conscience is the worst experience possible. And so... You know, and it's incredibly relieving to share something with it, but this was something they could never share year after year. They couldn't share it with their spouse. They couldn't share it with their children. And yet they all knew it as a group. You know, and you can imagine them all sitting around a meal together. They look at each other. We all have a secret. Yeah. We all know this secret. I think we can't tell a soul. As much as they ruined their father's life, I think they ruined their own lives in that very oh, moment. Absolutely. Suppose you don't know what happened. Jacob had 12 sons and the older... Ten were jealous of the young, the second youngest, and so they sold him off as a slave, and then went back to the dad and told him that he'd been eaten by wild animals. And they tore up his coat and put yeah. blood all over it, just as evidence of what had taken place. At which point, his father was just devastated and heartbroken because his father had already lost his mu- his wife, right? Yes, yeah. So double. He'd lost the mother to these two boys, uh, or to jo- Joseph's mother. The mother of these two boys, yeah. yeah. And uh, out of all of his wives, she was the one that he loved the most. He had four wives, mm-hmm. and uh, he really loved this one the most. And uh, it was yeah, it was just the whole the whole story is just one of absolute heartbreak. He loses his wife, he loses his son, and it reveals to us that death is so unnatural for human beings. 
Anyway, let's go to Second uh, Samuel chapter eighteen and verse thirty-three for our next verse. Second Samuel chapter eighteen and verse thirty-three, and here we find the story of somebody who mourns and weeps uncontrollably for the death of someone who is trying to kill them. The king was overcome with emotion. He went up to the room over the gateway and burst into tears. And as he went, he cried, O my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, if only I had died instead of you. O Absalom, my son, my son. Okay, so here's a man who was a great warrior, a great statesman, a great king, a great politician, and a terrible parent. Yes. Um, When your own children try and kill you, then you know as a parent somewhere along the line, you have messed, messed up. up. Yeah. Uh, and this is not the first time, or this is not the last time that he has one of his own children who raises a rebellion against him um, and tries to steal his kingdom from him. And, of course, um, Absalom tried to do that through great violence. Um, he took the city of Jerusalem. He, he, he raped uh, David's wives. He... Um, took David on in battle, tried to destroy it, you know, killed David in battle. Um, and this is Absalom is, da- is David's son. Uh, but of course, you know, as a parent, you still love your children. No matter how dysfunctional your life is and your family is, you still love your children. And I think one of the, you know, thinking this through, I sort of think to myself, how could David have been such a terribly dysfunctional father? And I think what it comes down to is that when you have a bunch of wives, there's not that same level of love and intimacy in the relationship. And how do you look after, how do you really connect with all of your children? Yeah, it's true. There's a lack of connection here between Absalom and David. Yes, yeah, exactly why God said thou shalt not commit adultery and don't this have multiple wives. That's right. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and so often this is what we're finding in our world today where very, very large percentages of our young men are growing up without a father figure. And the reason they're growing up without a father figure is because of relationship breakdowns. And, you know, David may not have divorced his wives. He just had too many of them. And it come, it's exactly the same circumstance. It's a, it's, a, it's a dysfunctional relationship that we're dealing with here. If you're wondering how many wives is too many, anything more than one is too many wives. <laughs> Did I not make that clear, Mon? <laughs> just want to specify Glad that. you clarified that. <laughs> if I wasn't making that clear, now it is clear. Mon, let's read for us First uh, Thessalonians chapter four, verse seventeen through eighteen, because we've read a couple of uh, negative verses here about uh, the devastation that death brings. But death, unlike you know some of these other things, uh, you know, divorce and so forth, it's not it's not as it's not as bad. It's not as brutal as divorce. Uh, so let's go First Thessalonians chapter four, verse seventeen and eighteen. Which read, Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we'll be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with these words. Okay. What does the Bible say we are to uh, encourage one another with? Or my Bible says comfort one another with. Yeah, with these words, with the, with the Bible truth about um, the fact that there will be a resurrection and a, and a second coming of Christ. Yeah, and I think this is one of the beautiful things about a Christian funeral is that we can go to a Christian funeral with you know the hope and confidence of the resurrection, something to look forward to. You know, it's tragic because we are going to miss this person for the rest of our lifetime, and you know I'm not speaking from a point of not coming from experience in this, of course, because my mother passed away when I was uh, quite young, when I was twelve years old. And 
Um, and so I do speak from experience, but it does give me something to look forward to. Amen. You know, I look forward to that day when I can introduce my mother to uh, my wife and her grandchildren. Mm, you know, absolutely. and I just know that she's going to be so excited to meet them. Um, and uh, and for me, that gives me you know tremendous motivation, uh, something to uh, to look forward to. And this is the this is one of the great blessings of being a Christian and knowing Jesus Christ as your friend, is having that hope in the resurrection, when Jesus comes back, the righteous being resurrected. Let's uh, re- finish off with uh, Revelation twenty one verse four. Mon, can you give us that one just uh, real quick to finish off this segment before we go? to the Downing family with Journey on Believer. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. Absolutely. So there is coming a time, the Bible promises us, when the enemy, death, the enemy will be destroyed, it will be gone forever, it will never ever come back again. Sin and suffering will be over. Let's all be ready for that day. Bible story as it's told Said a man named Joseph had a coat It made his brothers green with jealousy They sold him into slavery He pressed on with bravery Till he was next in line to Egypt's king Journey on, believer Keep your eyes upon the Lord
Are you looking for a way to turn your life experience into an enriching gift for helping those around you? A counselling degree at Avondale College of Higher Education could provide you a great foundation to assist others through life's difficulties. Study in a personalised environment alongside a fantastic support network and community on our Lake Macquarie campus. Apply to study counselling today at counselling.avondale.edu.au. It's higher education designed for life. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Can you hear him? Knock, knock, knocking at the door of your heart. He won't force his way in, yet he stands. Knock, knock, knocking at the door of your heart. Won't you open it wide and let him inside? Knock, knock, knocking at the door of your heart. No 
knocking at the door of your heart Won't you open it wide and let him inside Knock, knock, knocking at the door of your heart He is waiting patiently He wants to be with you Welcome back, guys. That was Carly Fletcher with Knocking here on Faith FM. We have come to question of the day time. We have a list of questions that has been sent to us by a listener. And so we're going to be working through these lists of questions. They kind of mostly talk about uh, creation. Before we do that, Lyle, let me hit you with some more clues for this quiz. Who are my quiz? It's still going strong. Still have the most expensive book we've ever given away on this show up for grabs. This is uh, clue number. Let me say. Let me just do four and five together because they're pretty short. I was one of the men that the disciples saw on the mountain when Jesus was transfigured, and I was taken to heaven in a chariot of fire. Mm. It's pretty. Who went to heaven story. in a chariot of fire? Yeah, you know the answer. Give us a call. One eight hundred three two four eight four three is the number. What have we got for question of the day? Them on. Okay, let me read this out to you. This is uh, uh, quite long, so bear with me. Question of the day for today. How do we explain the different human races and also all sorts of evidence brought up by archaeology that the Neanderthal man existed and so on, like all his ancestors? Yeah, okay. So if we look at Neanderthal man, um, he was simply a different race of human beings. If you were to flood our world today, uh, four and a half thousand years from now have a group of people who did not believe that our world had been flooded but they do archaeology and they dig up our bones they would likewise find all of the different races with their different features and no doubt link them to different time periods etc and that's all you have in so many of these you have uh, variations of monkeys that have been found you have variations of humans that have been found what you haven't ever found is a missing link between the two and of course most of these are built out of you know a tooth here a uh, a finger bone there, and there's you know absolutely nothing substantial sub- substantial about it whatsoever at all. And Neanderthals were just simply a uh, another race of human beings. But while we're talking about races, we need to note that the concept of races is a concept created by the evolutionary model. There is actually only one race, and that is the human race. And really, maybe a more accurate word to use would be different breeds. There are different breeds of human beings. And so this person also wants to know where is, you know, and we'll use the word race because that's the word that we're familiar with. Where did all the races come from if we came from Adam and Eve? Okay, the first point that we're going to look at is that the difference between races in human beings is incredibly small. So if we take dogs, for instance, all dogs came from two original wolf-like creatures. Okay, Science will tell you that. And yet you have a big difference between, say, a, a dash hound, a, 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 you know, a sausage dog, and, say, a Great Dane. You have tremendous variation across breeds of dogs. Across human beings, you have very, very little variation. 
Um, and so, for instance, you know, we talk about well, skin color. That's obvious, but there's actually no such thing as black people or white people. That doesn't exist. Oh, what? we all have. We're all, we're all black people. We just have different variations of the amount of blackness. Okay. So we all have pigment in our skin, which just some have more than others. So it's identical. It's the same. It's just we have. I've some always have more said that. Others. I've always said we're all just varying shades of brown. That's right. Every unless you're an albino, which is a uh, you know that's a disease, not a disease, a um, disorder. A, a disorder. Then um, you just have different variation of brown, and it's exactly the same with eyes. We all have in our eyes the little ligament that creates almond eyes. It's just with some uh, groups of people that ligament is stronger than others. And sometimes, you know, even within, say, for instance, Caucasian people, you'll have people born with a very strong ligament there and they'll have almond-shaped eyes and you find some Asian people with round eyes where that ligament is just a little bit too weak. And uh, and so really there's the, the difference, the, the largest possible difference between races in DNA, cop this, is just 0.01% percent. That's minuscule. That is absolutely minuscule. So this is the first point. We're very similar to each other. Uh, the second thing is that races can develop incredibly rapidly. So for instance, if you look at my dog, my dog is a stumpy-tailed cattle dog. This was a breed that did not exist, you know, some years ago. Um, it's a mixture of Smith's, Smithfields, Smooth Collies and Dingoes and is descended from um, Hall's Healers in the 1830s. It's only been recognised as a breed, you know, since I think it was uh, 1984 or something or other. And so, you know, any breeder knows that it, it only takes four generations to create a new breed. We could say the same thing. It only takes four generations to create a new race. So to give you an illustration, let's say that we took everybody who works in this office, let's say there's 100 people working in this office, dumped us all on a deserted island somewhere, isolated us, and so that we only bred with each other. Within four generations, we would create our own race. Wow. Just four generations. That's how long it takes to create your own race. So if you look at me, for instance, I'm one-eighth Sri Lankan. Walking down the street, nobody would pick that. However, if I married somebody else who was one-eighth Sri Lankan, Sri Lankan between the two of us, we would have all the genes necessary to give birth to a baby that had pure Sri Lankan characteristics. Wow. That would look no different from any other Sri Lankan. And not only that, we could have two-tone identical twins. We could have identical twins look exactly like each other, but one's dark and one is light. My, my, my boys are, are, are um, dark and light as well. Um, okay, so you know, creating a, a race or creating a new breed, all you need to do is have an environment that gives uh, that, that created for selective breeding. Genesis chapter 11, when God confused the languages, that's exactly what God created. He created an environment in which selective breeding would take place. And so within four generations of Genesis chapter 11, you would have had the start of all the races we have today. It don't come easy, love it don't come free Martin Luther King said, Lord, I have a dream Boys and girls of every color walking side by side 
brother, sister, come on, turn that darkness into light. Born into the heart of Dixie Land, holy rollers in the hills of Birmingham. All those summers spent just chasing lightning bugs by night. Heavy stillness in the heat of August and July. Lord, a wind was stirring from the east to west Set my heart a-blazing deep down in my chest And I heard that preacher crying out from 16th Street Till we all have freedom, there is no man truly free Wilder Atkins with Side by Side here on Faith FM, and we have come to the end of the show, which means that we are about to give something away. Yes, Loves Lies. God's Replies by Dustin Hall. Loves Lies, God Replies, Dustin Hall. Really great book. So this, you know, we spoke earlier about relationships, about marriage, about abuse within relationships. Uh, This is a really great book because it talks about the fact that God cares about your love life. And, you know, he created love, he created sex, he created romance, and true love is a reflection of his character. Um, so, of course, for that reason, uh, the enemy, Satan, has obviously de- devised many plans to destabilize and to um, to basically steal love's true identity. So, if anything that's created by God that is good, which is pretty much everything, the devil's going to try and attack that. So, this book uh, 
you know, it talks about relationships. It talks about, you know, how much God wants to be a part of everything, including your relationships with other people. So this, this book is a really wonderful one. Um, you know, about, about how to build a relationship with God as a third party to your marriage. To only should ever be the only, uh, I'm get my words out. God should be the only third party to any relationship. Give us a call if you want to get a copy of this. 1-800-FAITH-FM is our number. 1-800-324-843. Loves Lies, God's Replies by Dustin Hall. Okay, and of course, as we mentioned earlier in the show, if you're struggling with a weak signal in your area, if you are driving... Along the road and the signal disappears mid-interesting conversation. You want to hear more of that conversation, then you need to be listening to the radio the way that everybody listens to the radio these days, and that is on your phone. Run it through your Bluetooth, run it through your aux cord, however you'd like to do it, faithfm.com.au, press play, or just use a radio app such as the uh, TuneIn Radio app. Um, just uh, get the free version of it. Make sure you get the free version, and that way you will have a perfect signal wherever you go. the key 